Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Umian IP podcast brought to you by myself, Carlos Norton. I am the founder and CEO of Norton's Media based out of London, United Kingdom. We are the publishers of the Global IP Matrix magazine and the Women's IP World Annual. On today's show, I'm delighted to invite Mr. Diviendu Verma from Aldiri Vox in Dubai to join me as a guest. Diviendu has a vast experience in IP strategic advisory, patent drafting, prosecution and litigation. He has successfully handled and managed large IP projects for multiple national and international clients involving framing IP strategy and IP implementation framework and assisting clients to build their IP portfolios. In the high-tech industry, he has handled a variety of issues, including protection of software patents. His expertise includes advising on issues related to SEPs, technology standards, and indemnification of patent and IP infringement. He has a rich experience in technology deployment involving implementation of telecoms, IP infrastructure, and software development. He regularly appears before various patent offices and courts in matters relating to patent prosecution and enforcement globally. Welcome to the show, Mr. Verma. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good. Thank you, Carlos. And thank you, Norton's IP Media, for having me here. Thank you so nope. much. No problem, sir. We're delighted to have you on the show. Um, look, um, let's just get straight into it, um, Diviendu. You've been working in IP some time, so could you tell us a bit about your background in IP and how you got in, into the, the industry at all? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, it was kind of, I won't say I have planned for this uh, uh, career, but it happened to me accidentally. I am a bachelor. I have done my engineering in computer science, and then I have master's in computer science. And I was working with one of the tech company in uh, Bangalore in India. And then, you know, uh, I happened to join uh, uh, a law firm based out of Delhi uh, because of certain, you know, dispute happened in the company. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that was my introduction to IP. When I joined the firm, I have been given, I had been given to uh, the task of, you know, patent drafting, patent specification drafting and other stuff. And that was my introduction to IP and then, from that uh, point, I I took on and then, you know, I ended up being uh, drafting up the specification for many years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later on, I became an attorney. Then, you know, I have joined Delhi University. I have done my uh, law course, become an advocate, and then it goes on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I shifted uh, uh, from Delhi to Bombay. I joined another top firm in Bombay. I served there. I uh, I was a partner. I was heading the electronics department of that uh, law firm. And okay. thereafter, I uh, now starting at the Audrey Vox. Uh, I'm the global head of patents uh, department. I'm looking after India, Pakistan, uh, entire Middle East and Africa, African operation. Okay, fantastic. I was just going to get into that. Um, I just wanted to find out a bit more about your relationship with Mr. Salman Manto. He's the actual um, founder and CEO, or the founding partner of Odiri Vox in Dubai. Obviously, your base previously was based in India, um, but you are now working for Odiri Vox. Are you working from the Dubai office or are you still based in India? Uh, so, uh, Carlos, I am in Mumbai, uh, but okay. I switched my time between uh, Bombay and... Uh, uh, so, Mumbai and Bombay both are same, like, you know, it's like the uh, same name. So I switched my time between Bombay and Dubai because I'm looking after uh, all the offices across all the jurisdiction. So I have to move around here and there. But yes, my office is based in uh, Mumbai. So I am the head of the Mumbai office of Audrey Walks. Okay. So how did your relationship with Mr. Manto come about? When did you decide to join the firm as the patent or the head of the patent department for Audrey Walks? 
So my relationship with uh, Mr. Monto goes back to a long time and, you know, we know each other for a quite some time. And then, uh, you know, uh, when he started his firm uh, just before uh, COVID, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was the one he told me the first and being a trademark attorney, he was like, he was doing fantastic. And when it happened to have like, you know, we had a lot of uh, patent inquiries and at the same time I was working in Bombay and then he he just, you know, called me one fine day and he said like, you know, we have to start the patent department and he want to do that with me. And it, it happened like that, you know, I, I joined uh, like, you know, and then we started the patent department. Now we are working in multiple various jurisdictions uh, across the world. Okay, so let's jump into your article published in the latest issue of the Global IP Matrix magazine, issue 13, which incidentally you can uh, download and read and listen to at www.gipmatrix.com, which is entitled Non-Obviousness, A Big Dilemma in Patenting. Um, Could you um, tell us uh, what made you write about this subject, sir? Yes, Carlos, I mean, this issue, this uh, non-obviousness, like, you know, which is being referred here in India as inventor step is one of the most uh, important uh, parameter for qualifying for any uh, invention, whether it is patentable or not. Mm-hmm. So I know and since I'm handling uh, these issues since a long time, one thing which, uh, which you know, uh, does not have very clear picture because of the, uh, because of the various case laws and various requirements around the world. So there is a lot of gray areas about whether the invention is obvious or non-obvious because, you know, uh, here there is no kind of, you know, uh, 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 parameters which you can, you know, decide whether this is white or black. But there is a lot of, you know, subjective inquiries and there are many things which depends on the person who is evaluating the criteria. And there are, therefore, this become a very, very important aspect and I thought of like, you know, having jotting down the points from my Indian perspective. And then since I'm working uh, uh, very regularly, I'm aware about how my colleagues and my attorneys in uh, specifically in US and in Europe, how they are handling uh, these issues in their jurisdictions. So I thought of like, you know, having a small uh, article, which is like, you know, talking about the obviousness issue in India and then. Uh, comparing with how what's happening in US and Europe. And that's how I came up with this article. Okay, so I was going to touch on that, um, because obviously, you're writing from an Indian perspective. Um, you just mentioned that uh, it relates to US and um, outside US as well. Um, so that's, you know, the, the same sort of um, uh, content, what you're talking about relates to the rest of the world, not just India. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, just for our listeners, what are the non-obviousness requirements and obviousness um, that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, so the requirements are very, very clear. I mean, it is very straightforward, uh, like, you know, it is given in the act and the definition section. But I, I started in a way like, you know, what basically obviousness means, like, you know, from where it got originated. So I started with saying, like, you know, this uh, this obviousness is basically originated from the latin word obvious mm-hmm. uh, which is before plus uh, via which is way so now when you combine obvious plus via it become obviousness so this uh, meaning being in the way but that is a plain meaning uh, in the patent law uh, specifically 
uh, in India, the obviousness is uh, tested against uh, predefined you know rules that have been laid down by the various courts of law in different patent jurisdictions. Uh, I was talking about India. We have a, a definition under Section Two and JA, which talks about what is the inventor step. Basically, invent, the the section has defined the inventor step uh, as a feature of an invention that involves technical advance as compared to the existing knowledge or having economic significance or both and that makes the invention not obvious to a person skilled in the art so if you if you see the definition it is very clear however this definition has been interpreted from the contextual meaning of each and every case and there are a lot of case law happened in india and same thing happened in around the world specifically in us in the european jurisdiction Okay. Okay. Um, you also mentioned um, the five steps to test for an in, uh, inventive step inquiry. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the recent, uh, I won't say very recent. Uh, that case was decided, decided in 2012. But this that test which has been given by the Honorable Delhi High Court is the very, uh, I would say, very subjective and factual inquiries. How to be like, how to conduct uh, like you know five-step test to identify whether the invention uh, is obvious or not so whether i mean in, when i say obvious this is very like you know you have to understand obviousness and inventive step are the same words which have been referred in different jurisdiction differently that's it so uh, the five-step test which has been laid down by uh, the honorable delhi high court in often law roche versus sipla case uh, I have provided the citation of that case in my uh, that case by in my article, and it talks about how to uh, conduct the inquiry. So where the step number one talks about how to identify an ordinary skill in the art. So that, that's the first test, and then mm-hmm. once you identify an ordinary person skill in the art, then you have to move and identify the inventive concept which is there in the patent application. And mm-hmm. once you identify that, then you have to move. To the next uh, step, number three, uh, to identify, to impute to a normal skill, but you know, unimaginative ordinary person skill in, in the art. What was the common general knowledge in the art at the priority date? Basically, you have to understand that invention from the uh, from the perspective of the a person who is identifying this, and what was the kind of knowledge he was having at the time of filing up the uh, the patent application, which is in question. So once you do that, then the next step, which is a very important uh, step in this uh, inquiry, is to identify the differences between the matter uh, cited uh, and the alleged invention. And once you identify, then you have to ascertain whether the differences are ordinary application of law or involve various different steps requiring multiple theoretical or practical applications. This is very much important. This is, I would say, the heart of this uh, five-step test. Once you do, do that, based on the inquiry, then you decide whether those differences viewed in the knowledge of alleged invention constitute steps which would have been obvious to an ordinary skill in the art. And then you can rule out an hindsight approach. So this is very precise steps, uh, uh, like, you know, provided by the Honorable Delhi High Court. And mm-hmm. after that, now, at least in India, the inquiry to the uh, inventive steps become much more forward. Okay. Yeah. So the five steps that you're talking about, is this something that you implemented into your own strategy? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, so whenever we have like, you know, uh, uh, problem, the objection received from like, you know, the patent office, we try to identify, provide the, you know, our answer in a manner where we talk about the five step test so that, you know, how we can showcase whether the at least invention involving an inventory step or not. So while answering, while, you know, arguing, we always keep in mind of having these five step tests in our argument. Okay, okay. Um, you mentioned um, about teaching away is another important concept to analyze obviousness. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, teaching away is uh, like, you know, uh, that become uh, like, you know, very well-known, uh, I would say, term in uh, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, you know, it's not known very much like known in India, but the point is that teaching away concept is like, you know, what's more uh, familiar in the United States jurisdiction where like, you know, uh, we have various case laws through which uh, the United States, uh, like, you know, uh, jurisdiction has fixed on where, whether this you know, teaching away concept uh, in the invention can be embodied or not. Uh, for example, like, you know, uh, if you, if uh, like, you know, uh, when produced my article, I started with the introduction about the KSR international versus telefax uh, case where the very for the very first time you know like the supreme court uh like you know provided a two-pong test and this two-pong test was very much important to identify uh and you know in uh th- th- there was like you know uh this two-pong test is uh for the non-obviousness to obtain a valid combination of patent so the the point is whether the combination which was cited by the uh united states patent office whether it is a valid combination or not so that is uh, very much important and and you can easily identify when you understand the KSR versus Teleflex gas. Yes. Okay. So finally, what advice would you give our listeners on the actual big dilemma of Paddington, uh, Mr. Verma? So, I mean, uh, I have uh, came to conclusion uh, in my article itself, like, you know, uh, I compared the case law, recent case laws of India and then in US, though I have talked about uh, Graham versus John Deere, where like, you know, we had the TSM test, uh, which was developed. But then I uh, again, you know, uh, discussed very recent uh, cases decided by the uh, by the US courts. And then also touched upon the requirement uh, of obviousness in the, the European jurisdiction, where where I have to talk about the Kudwood test and then you know, discuss about the problem solution approach. So, and, and, and I backed my arguments with the uh, case, uh, decided cases in the, in the European uh, jurisdiction. So, uh, in short, no, uh, I, I tried, uh, like, you know, summarizing this, we are kind of following the similar, similar, you know, analogy, but in different way. So, you know, more or less the interpretation of the obviousness, or you can say the lack of inventory step is broadly similar. If you see, in all three jurisdictions, which I have compared, you know, India, US, mm-hmm. and Europe, mm-hmm. uh, the difference, you know, uh, like, you know, the only difference you can see slightly here and there is based on the various, you know, methods or steps laid down by the various courts uh, while interpreting the law of their uh, respective jurisdictions. So, uh, but still, Carlos, still, despite of all this help, which we have in our hand, mm-hmm. this obviousness test is still, there is a problem. The reason being, there is a lot of, you know, uh, individual approaches involved. Because when you talk about the person is still in the art, you and me, 
let's say we both are the person skill in the art but you know because of our skill set our our approach to the particular problem is like it may differ so it is very subjective analysis and though we do have a clear guideline clear path but i am guessing this the problem will remain same uh, may not be remain exactly same but yeah more or less like you know we may have uh, like we may be facing a similar problem in future because of the subjective analysis that's that's the major problem with the obviousness so only hoping with the experience with the all the information with uh, uh, which is available at our disposal uh, probably we are able to judge and we are able to like you know decide this uh, in a very very transparent manner but i'm very not i'm not very much helpful despite many cases around the world still if you see today also like you know uh, when it comes to the inventive step there is there is no black and white approach still mm-hmm. we are lot depending on individual analysis individual knowledge and skill set and that is where the main problem of you know analyzing this particular uh, uh, inventive step problem Okay, so that brings us to the end of the show. I would like to thank my esteemed guest, Mr. Divien Duverma from Audiri Vox in Dubai. And um, we look forward to um, catching up with you in the next edition of the Global IP Matrix. Mr. Verma, I know you guys have some content coming there. If you would like to read the latest article uh, by Mr. Divien Duverma published in the Global IP Matrix magazine entitled Non-Obviousness, A Big Dilemma in Patenting, please go to www.gipmatrix.com. That's www.gipmatrix.com. And we look forward to um, catching up with you guys in another episode of the You Mean IP podcast very soon. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Verma. Thank you, Carlos. I have much appreciated. Thank you. You have been listening to the You Mean IP podcast. Hosted by Carlos Northen on behalf of Northen's Media PR and Marketing Limited, the publishers of the Global IP Matrix magazine, and the Women's IP World Annual. We hope you enjoyed the show.